What's up, students? Welcome back to the Motion Student Podcast. Uh, our vision for the podcast, as you've heard us say a million times before, is so that we can take whatever we said on Sunday night and unpack that a little bit further. I want this to be something you can listen to in class, listen to right before you go to bed, listen to as you're driving. Um, this isn't your Bible reading for the, for the week. This isn't your worship for the week. This is just simply an additive, something that helps you understand the scriptures better and that we can kind of find another avenue in, in ways that we can have students uh, listen to the word. Uh, today I'm joined by Mitch Green. Mitch, what's up? What's up, students? Uh, always pumped to have Mitch here. Uh, and we're going to unpack what we talked about on Sunday night, which was... Take a dog, <laughs> leave a dog. Oh, there's that. Um, so, on Sunday night, we talked about, you know... Nugget we, night. Nugget, I was bummed to miss Nugget night. Nugget night, night was legendary. Obviously, we had some... Uh, we had four different dipping sauces. Yeah, I saw that. Yes. Um, that, that was right up Mitch Green's alley yes, right there. That's right. Nugget night. We just threw it together the last second. Shocker. Um, but we talked about on Sunday night, we opened with the catechism question, how can we be saved? Right? And, and within that catechism question, I'm just going to read you kind of the the what the catechism's answer is. Right? So how can we be saved? What is one way that we can understand it clearly? Uh, and this is what it says. Let me find it really quickly. It says this. How can we be saved? It's Catechism Question 13. Only by faith in Jesus Christ and his substitutionary atoning death on the cross, which we know that substitution atoning death just means that he took his sin upon our back. So even though we are guilty of having disobedience, God in all things, still inclined to all evil, nevertheless, God, without any merit of our own, put himself on the cross and gave us grace. And he imputes to us the righteousness of Christ when we repent and believe. I know that's a lot of big words. What that really means is this. Repent and believe as, as followers. This is all that the Savior of the world requires of his people, that we repent and we believe. As we realize our sin is separating us from the Father, we are called to repent of that sin and believe in the saving work of Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about, okay, what now? Now we understand salvation. Many of us who are listening to this podcast and many of us on Sunday night who were listening to the sermon understands what it means to, look, I have to give my hope and trust into Christ and not into myself. And salvation where does that begin? What's the origin of salvation? And we, we, we gave two distinct kind of definitions. Uh, and, and, and these are the two distinct definitions. Union, which is our justification, that we're justified in Christ. That's what it was talking about, the atoning work of God that sent his son on the cross for our sins. And this is what you, the, the definition of union with Christ is. That in union, we are declared righteous in Jesus Christ by grace, and that's grace is God's unconditional favor and merit, through faith, and faith is God's instrument of our salvation. He draws everything from the work of Christ, and, adds, and we add nothing to it. That's how we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This, this, this union with Christ from the beginning of salvation is never broken or disrupted. We don't live our life worried if our salvation is going to leave us with our bad works or if we don't read our Bible every day, our unity with the Father will be disrupted. That just is not the case, right? And so we find ourselves with union very closely related to justification. 
And then communion, once we get these terms out of the way, we can actually oh, continue. But communion, right? This is the part of our relationship with Jesus that can be disrupted, right? Or corrupted uh, in the meantimes, right? In moments in our life. And that is only corrupted by sin. So my relationship, my ongoing desire to follow after Jesus, right, can be corrupted by sin. And this is the definition of communion. That we enjoy the depths and riches of being in Christ Jesus. God has sealed every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. This is us understanding the gifts of the Spirit, understanding all things that we have in Christ through the sanctification process. Now, Mitch, uh, what I want, I want more of a personal relationship, more of a personal understanding for you. How have you understood the union and the communion in your life how did you come to understand this, and how does this play out every single day for you? Yeah, I think I think what you're getting at there that makes a lot of sense for me is when I think about when I feel far from God in my life, and and, I, and I'll get I'll get more direct with that. But typically, when I feel far from God, um, this is where you're talking about my communion with Him, mm-hmm. and for me, those feelings usually lead me to question my union. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my typical response: is that you know. I don't feel that God is close, therefore my standing with him um, may not be set, as mm-hmm. you said, and I start to question, okay, am I a believer in Christ? And and I think that's, um, man, that's kind of backwards. Yeah. Um, that's kind of backwards thinking is what is what you're saying here, is that our union with Christ is purely on what Christ has done. And what's the requirement of that? You know, you said repent and believe. I think that's a pretty clear um, expectation, and even the repentance you know, it's not like repenting over and over again means that my union with Christ is now sealed once again. Mm. But it's repenting of our sin and believing in God. That's that's what this active faith looks like that you're describing. That's right. um, but the problem is we don't always feel that. Mm. Um, but we need to remind ourselves that those two things are not the same. Mm. Um, that they're not one and the same. That we can't, you know, we may have even came to Christ through a feeling or an experience and um, we were in rich you know communion with him Um, we may have been at a camp we may have been you know in a setting where it's like man we could feel god's presence in the room we knew something was different but then when we back away from that we now say okay god feels distant is god real and we're mixing up those two categories Um, what we're applying is that Again, we must feel God's presence for God to be real or for God to be true or for our faith to be real. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's dangerous. Um, And so I would say for me personally, just to give you a personal example of that, um, this was my faith um, a lot in high school. Mm -hmm. It was like church experience, camp, big moments um, of recognizing that God was real in my life because I was focused on him. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, I think that's all it was. In its simplest, in its simplest understanding, it wasn't that like there was something magical happening at camp. It was just that I, for a week, devoted myself to focusing on Christ. But then once I quit devo- devoting myself to focus on what Christ has done for me, the sense, the feeling—I don't want to lean so much on feeling, but that what God was doing in my life became less clear. Well, it became less clear because I wasn't living in communion with him. That's right. And it's not as if God's in one place and God's not in the other place. It had more to, it had more to do with how I was actively living out my faith. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, so for me, it's like those two categories are very helpful because they put things in the right place. 
So mm, that's right. No, that's good. I, I think um, when I think about the union and the communion that we have with the Father, I think so often our culture and students, the culture that you're living in, you're always looking for uh, assurance, right? How do I know that this is the real thing? How do I know that Christianity is what I want to follow? How do I know that um, my faith is real? And when we mix the two up, it becomes pretty confusing, right? That I lose... Sometimes I feel like as a, you know, as a believer, you know, I'll put myself in the shoes of my, my high school self, kind of like you did. If, if I wasn't feeling God, then the assurance of my faith was gone, right? But all of a sudden what I'm doing is I'm, a, I'm giving Luke the ability to, yeah. to take or give me faith, mm-hmm. right? And that only comes from the Father. Salvation only comes from Christ on the cross. And I was giving myself the ability to say, yep, today I'm feeling it. Nope, tomorrow I'm not. Right. And, and it's, I don't want to be simplistic with it, but you know, you go back to probably the earliest, um, not nursery rhyme, let's say subculture Christian nursery rhyme you ever heard. And it's a constant echo in your mind of, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. But why does Jesus love me? Well, because the Bible tells me so, mm-hmm. which, which takes any sort of you know, why does Jesus love me? Well, not because of what I do, not because of the actions that I'm doing, or not because I even feel like he loves me. He loves me because the truth in scripture says right. that Jesus loves me. And and that's what that's what we really need to remind ourselves of that, mm. um, that it's not by living rightly. It's not by being in the right setting at the right place with the right people. It's like Christ loves you. That is foundational. You know, as a believer, you have a union with God through Christ that is unshaken. Mm-hmm. And how do we know that? Because the Bible tells me so. Right. Now, again, for our communion, that's where you can start to ask yourself some questions to say, how am I living mm-hmm. and how am the things that I'm doing in my life, how have I oriented myself to that truth about Jesus loving me? Right. And then you're going to say, okay. If you align some of those things, um, you know, I don't want to say better, but you start to practice out of this understanding of the fact that Jesus loves you, um, that Christ died for you, then you're going to see things change in your life. But it can't be the other way around. You can't go look at the things that I'm doing, look at the mistakes that I'm making, look at all the problems. Jesus doesn't love me. Or let me fix these mistakes and these problems, and then Jesus is going to love me more. The fact is that Jesus loves you because the Bible says so. Yeah. I think it's interesting uh, because we may not notice or recognize it, but when we flip-flop the two and the, the importance of the two, maybe I'm not, you know, I don't see God in every single day, so therefore maybe he's not real, or I'm not following after God, I have not read my Bible good this week. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, when when we think in those mentalities, what you, what you see is if you look at the culture around you, students, if you look at your friends or non-believers that you know, they do the same thing but with culture. Is the culture giving me back what I want? Am I being received by the culture? Am I, uh, is the things I wear, am I liked by them? If they're not, if they're, if I'm not liked by my society because of the things I wear, I'll just change what I wear. Mm -hmm. And we do the same thing with our, our faith if we flip flop the two. Okay, I'm not experiencing God. Well, maybe there's something out there 
different from this that will give me the assurance I need, that people love me, that people, right? And all the, we take our desires, our wants and our needs, and we throw them on something that it doesn't belong. We are are on our feelings, on, Mm -hmm. you know, do I, how can I know for sure that like we substitute, I need all the answers and we lose our faith. And I think, so So one more thing that I think is really interesting with this. I think we also often say that the wrestling is a um, sign of there being a problem. Right. Which is actually, Scripture says it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going to look at this here in a moment. But um, even think back to, like, why would there be Old Testament sacrifice if God did not think that they were going to sin? Mm-hmm. Just, just ask yourself that question. Why would Jesus instruct repentance, continual repentance to to believers, if he did not think they were going to sin. Right. So so your wrestling is not new. Mm. Your wrestling is not a result of you not being a believer in Christ. In fact, it may very well actually be a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Yes. It may be the opposite. And I think I think, you know, for many of you students that are that are probably listening to this, your wrestling is the first thing that makes you question if you have faith in Christ. Yes. And it should be the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. We, we, students, all the time we talk about conviction. And when and and really what I think I can tie with your wrestling uh, analogy or the, the, the use of that word is conviction. When I have uh, a convict, when I feel convicted of my sin, that I don't want to do that anymore. But when I do it, I feel that I'm, you know... I am I'm sinning against God and I need to change that. That conviction sometimes we confuse with wrestling and we're like, well, maybe I'm just not a believer. If I keep sinning like this, maybe I'm not a Christian. And we're about to get into what Paul says about that. But I, students, I want you to think about this, that your conviction from the Holy Spirit is what a believer walks through every single day, right? It's the distinction that we're going to make between sinner and saint and how we can be those two things at the exact same time. Uh, and so... Uh, Students, if you have your Bible or if you just want to be listening to the scripture, we're going to read what Paul walks through when he... So now we're moving away from union and we're moving into communion and what it looks like to walk walk as a Christian in, in, in our life as sinner and saint. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 7. Um, we're speaking of sin. We'll read 13 through 16. We'll just kind of catch... The, the, main, the main verse here is 15. This is what it says. Um, did which is good then bring death to me? He's saying, did I receive things that now I, I, I know, I underst- since I understand that I'm a sinner, is this, is this death? By no means, he says. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be, no- might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. He's saying, now I can actually realize what sin is. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. And then verse 15, I want you to listen here. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So so Mitch, talk, talk a little bit about that. Uh, what is Paul, what's he wrestling with here? I know you mentioned the word wrestling. I think that's exactly what's going on here. In Paul's walk with Christ, someone who is devoted and you know wrote a lot of the, the New Testament is walking through this struggle. Yeah. W- what is he doing in this moment? Well, I, I think the first thing when anybody reads this passage, 
um, any person, we all say me too. That's mm-hmm. the first thing, the first thing that we see in this. And so that's what we need to remember is that Paul is a Christian here. That in this passage, Paul is a Christ follower talking about wrestling with his sin. Um, I think ultimately what Paul is getting at is it's similar to these categories of communion and union. But what Paul is saying is that um, he is in his flesh, that there is sin that he deals with, but he's renewed by Christ in his spirit. Mm. So there's this constant tension at war between spirit and flesh. Mm-hmm. And what he means by this is that being um, through being redeemed in Christ... He now has the desire to do rightly, mm-hmm. which is the kind of this wrestling we're talking about. So he desires to do right, but in his flesh, he doesn't even always possess the capacity to do that right thing he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Does it sound like you? It sure sounds like me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We know what's right. We want to do what's right. God's made it clear in his word for us the, what right living looks like. But I don't always p- p- uh, possess the capacity to do that in my life. And this is what Paul is expressing here. Mm. So what Paul isn't saying is that um, the opposite would be to say that I become a believer and I sin no more. Um, that I don't deal with sin. Um, Paul is not saying that it's okay to sin as much as you want. Right. He's saying that there's a wrestling in that, that they're submitting to what God has for us. Um, And so, you know, as Paul continues throughout this passage, the language that he uses is he's really talking about us being sanctified towards Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, That as we continue to sit under God, as we submit to him, as we abide in the Father, whatever analogy you want to use, as we sit under God's teaching and we grow towards him and we wrestle with this knowledge of knowing what our state is, that we are both saint, we are in Christ, we are in communion with him, um, we are in union with him, sorry, and we are also sinner at the same time. As we wrestle with both of those things, we begin to understand more of what God is calling us to live and to look like now, but it has nothing to do with our eternal standing before him. That's right, that's right. The same same guy, Paul, who was wrestling with, I... I cannot do what I want to do with in Christ because of my sinful nature. He says this just a chapter before. We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So he's saying, I get that I don't, I can't always do what glorifies God in the moment because of my sinful nature. But at the same time, sin doesn't stain me anymore. Sin does not define me anymore. Mm-hmm. My eternal resting place with the Father is not in question when we're talking about having community with the Father, with having communion with Him, mm-hmm. right? That's only in question with our unity, right? If I don't have saving faith, if I don't actually believe that God did what He did with Jesus and that I believe fully in Him, then we can question what the stain of sin does for eternity. But this is the truth, and this is the good news of the gospel, is that sin for the believer does not define you anymore. Although you may wrestle with it, and although it may be a hard a hardship in your life and this is the, the the distinction between sinner and saint i'm a saint because god has made me a saint in him that if i repent and believe that my eternal destination is with him forever i still will walk and struggle with sin and that's the christian life so we never want you as a student to confuse my sin 
that every Christian deals with is defining my faith, if I have eternal security in the Father or not. And it becomes really hard when you confuse the two. That's why we're having this podcast today. When you confuse the two between unity and community community with the Father, then it's really hard if what, you know, do you wake up every day wondering, is my saving, is my, is my actions enough? Is my works enough? Because the answer is always no. And so it becomes really hard to live life as a Christian if I'm always questioning my assurance in, in the Father. Is this real? Is this not? Maybe it's not real because I can't follow it, right? We know that that's not the case in the Father. And Paul is making that very clear here in Romans. Absolutely. And, and I think like just to summarize, you know, the discussion that we've had here with you, you know, it's just ask yourself that question. What is your faith in? Just as simply put it put as that. You know, is your faith in Jesus or is your faith in yourself? And you may answer no to that, but then look at what happens when you come back to the wrestling every time. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you wrestling for? Are you wrestling out of overflow because you know that God loves you? But are you wrestling out of the desire to prove yourself to God or prove yourself to somebody else? That's right. Likely your parents, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where your wrestling begins. And you have to ask yourself, it's like, no, I don't do this um, out of anything other than obedience. Um, I don't do this out of anything other than understanding what Christ has done for me. Mm. Um, it's it's all out of overflow. And so, I, I mean, again, I think, I think if there's probably, you know, one, if there's like five things that students are wrestling with today, it's probably trying to feel like you're enough. And um, I think what Christ is saying um, to you in these passages through Paul in his own life, the message for you is that in God, it's complete. Like your standing is there. There's not this discussion of enough. There's the discussion of what are you going to do with what God has already declared for you? Mm. How do you live out a response to the union that you have with Christ? Mm. And the answer is exist in community with him. That's right. And Mitch, I think this is, that's, that's beautifully explained. I think this is the exact moment where the student um, can feel freedom. Yeah. I think this is the definition of freedom that I am not trying to find my assurance or my, 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 my life, my goal, my mission in what I do act or say. In the moment that you you put your hope in what you do, act, or say, you're going to fail every time. Not everybody's going to love you. Not everybody's going to conf- affirm you. Not everybody's going to be there for you. Not everybody, right? I want to put my hope and assurance in the Father that he has done all the things on behalf for me. That I don't have to save myself, but yet he made a way for us. That's what you right? We, we read in John that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him. So all I know is like John 15, if I abide in him... Yeah. He will abide in me. And the abiding. I mean, I, if, I know we've given out many examples, but to me, it's such a good picture. I mean, again, it's, it's that continual, what is our response? It's like, well, go back to the word. Mm-hmm. It's like, look at the truths of the word in the wrestling. Look for clarity there. Don't look for clarity in yourself or trying to willpower or push through it. Or, I mean, again, it, the problem is that all of the focus becomes on us and our actions. Um, yeah, and, and so I think it's, I mean, I... I awesome conversation i'm assuming you guys had this week i hope that it was 
Um, just and I'm not even talking about this podcast. Just the message that it was, you know, just reassuring for some of you. I mean, I we have me and Luke aren't people who haven't sat in those chairs mm-hmm. and done the same wrestling with. Our, we do the same wrestling, you know, daily. <laughs> we had a conversation just even yesterday about you know areas in our life where we know that God's edifying us and mm-hmm. ways that we um, wrestle with sin in our own life. Mm-hmm. And so it's and this is a continual thing. But the focus is is that I don't my head doesn't hit the pillow at night. And I know that, man, if I don't get this right tomorrow, um, I lose my salvation. God and I are off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, like I'm abiding in Christ. I'm looking for, you know, just mm-hmm. um, even just the word I want to say is resurrection. But I, I'm looking for him to continue to work these things out in me, mm-hmm. to make me new, yeah. um, to make me more like him. Um, but knowing it's not like I know that th- I, I know there's not going to be a day in my life where I've completed that. That's right. Because again, I'm both saint and sinner at the same time. And and, and students, let, Mitch and I are going to close with with. I want to give you a small theological point here, and then I want to give you a practical point. Uh, and so the theological point is this is exactly how we understand baptism. I want you to think about baptism, what it is. Baptism is us displaying a public uh, uh, proclamation that I die to myself and I am raised again in Christ every single day. That I am made anew every morning that I die to myself and I rise again in Christ. That's why we show that you know, we stand in front of the congregation and we, 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 we display that I am a believer in God. I'm a believer in Christ. That I am, I am joining Christ in a death like his, but I'm also joining Christ in a resurrection like his. And that's why every single day we pick up our cross. That's why every, every single day we wake up and it, the prayer is that we die to ourselves and that we can, we can live anew in Christ that day. Yeah, which which is exactly, you know, you think of the Great Commission, and it's what, you know, go out in all the world, um, teaching them all that I've commanded of you, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's right. It's, it's a, you know, baptism is a um, representation of that, but it's also representing this conversation that we're talking about. Baptism is also representing existing in the community with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's it's this active understanding of daily this is the community that I'm going to exist in. This is who I'm going to abide in. This is who I'm going to submit myself to. It's not a one-off thing. It's not a one-time you know, decision. It's saying it's representative of this is what the rest of my life is mm-hmm. going to look like. That's right. Um, and so maybe you're sitting there and you know, you're listening to this in class and you're like, okay, that's not what my life looks like. Well, the question isn't to go and to say, okay, well, am I a Christian or not? The question is to say, what can I do to begin to abide in this community with the Father? Yep. That's there for me because yeah. um, we believe that that's where joy is at. That's you know, mm-hmm. this isn't a way to get you to behave. This is a way to get you to live in your most joyful life. That's right. And, and so now, uh, Mitch, I, w- I would like to give one practical way to do. I do this in my life. Would you give us one, and then would you pray out? Um, yeah, you go first, so I can yeah. think of mine because yeah. I didn't know this was coming. Uh, one one way is is um, on Wednesday mornings. Uh, and I, and I, I can also make a youth group plug here that this is why we ask you to be committed to a community of believers because it's the hope that that community helps you in your communion with the Father, helps you with within your communion with Christ That because we, we're spurring one another on. Don't forget that God loves you, that he's there for you. We're over and over and over evangelizing to one another. There's my youth group plug. But 
for me personally, on Wednesday mornings, I meet with three other guys at Flapjacks at 6.15. And, and what we do every single week is we order our food. And in the in-between, before the after we order our food and before the food gets there, we will pray for one another. And that's just a very, very, very small thing that I know that's coming this this tomorrow morning, right? I know that it's, it's coming, and I'm going to get the opportunity to pray and just kind of give things to the Father in communion with three other guys that I know love Jesus and that they're going to be there for me. And we just kind of, we, we ask for prayer requests and for 15 minutes we pray with one another. Is that a massive thing? No. But it really is an anchor for my week that I can always know that I'm going to spend that 15 minutes in just prayer and, and kind of focusing my eyes vertically and not horizontally in those 15 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll give two small ways. So you know, every, every day when I drive into work and I drive home, the first thing I reflect on is, okay, where's my heart in my standing before God, um, that my and and I don't, I don't listen to music in the car, which is weird. But I think that just kind of causes me as I'm driving somewhere to think, okay, what's going on in my life? Pause, stop, reflect. What am I wrestling with? What is God doing? Where am I hurting? Where are my relationships? Where you know, am I abiding in Him? You know, it's a common question that I ask myself and. Um, so I think finding that place for you, I mean, I, I know for a lot of you guys, your life is crazy busy and you may not have room to stop. And the question is, is that okay? Like, are you, uh, do you need to make room <laughs> to be able to pause? Um, do you need to make room in your meals with your friends as Luke's saying? Um, I think that's a big part of it. You know, are, would you do that with some of your friends? My second is this, um, and this is probably practical for some of you guys. I know you guys are in your small groups, but um, I meet every week with people in my D group and, and I'm teaching most weeks. Um, but I will tell you, I show up every week and God uses the people in the room, the passage that we're reading um, to edify and grow me. It's not as if I walk in with a teaching plan and I'm the only one that's teaching things. That that doesn't ever happen. Mm-hmm. It's not like it only it happens. It never happens. Every week, someone else comes in there and God's working out something in someone else's life. And through the truth that he's teaching them and the passage that we're reading, God edifies me. Mm-hmm. It's like the teaching plan will not look the same the next time because of the truth that I learned that God was working out in someone else's life. And so I think, you know, as Luke was saying, it's, you know, this is done within the context of communities centered around the word of God. Um, you know, this is done through prayer. There, These are the things that God will use to bring us back to this understanding of this union that we have with him um, and this communion that we have with Christ. Um, yeah, I think I think if you don't have those things in your life, it's very hard to... It's, it's, I'm not even going to say it's very hard. It's impossible to be a Christian in isolation. <laughs> like, it's, it would be... Like, there are people that do it in the world. I mean, there really are, but that's because they have to. I mean, we and you both know a guy who talks about reading the Bible underneath his pillow by light in a village where, you know... They're not open to Christians. We know this person. There are people that they do that. But man, that's not that's not the way it's supposed to be, especially when you have community of believers right around you. Um, so yeah, I, Luke, I appreciate you having me join you. Yeah. This is fun discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah, and students know that the only reason we, we come on here and to talk about these things is because we have walked through that. And it's been tough, and we've had to come out on the other side and say, look, okay, my assurance isn't in my actions, it's in Christ. And so we love you. We hope that this helps you. Um, and uh, thanks for tuning in to the, the Motion Student Podcast. Yeah, I'll pray for us, um, and then we'll, yeah, I'll say we'll go. We're going to go, and you're going to keep doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, Father God, Lord, um, so, so thankful um, that we can rest in you. 
Um, I know that there's times in my life where I've I've acted as if I'm I'm enough, and that I possess the ability. And God, I still I still do that at times in situations. Um, Father, I I pray for the students that are listening now um, that you would refresh them in this truth, um, that you would remind them um, that it's okay to not be enough. Um, as Jesus, uh, sorry, as Jesus, as Derek said, you know, last week when he preached, um, dependence on Christ is freeing. We don't want to be dependent on anything. That's not our natural bend. But God, I pray that we depend on you, um, that we rest in you, that we rest in the union that we have with you through Christ, Lord. Um, God, I pray that we continue to exist in community. Um, Let the students that have listened to this podcast mention it to one another. Mm -hmm. As they're passing in the halls, Lord, I pray that they encourage one another, that they spur one another on towards Christ, that that's what this community looks like. Um, that we don't feel that we're in isolation when we're walking through the halls, Lord. Um, that we understand that we rest on what you've done with us, um, for us, Lord. So, Father God, I pray um, that as we continue to go throughout our days, um, God, that you bring us towards you, that we abide in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.